welcome to you all, and especially warm welcome to any of you who've been invited along and have come along perhaps for the first time or if you're new. Um, and if that's you, fair play to you for coming along tonight because I appreciate these kind of things aren't necessarily always the easiest, most comfortable thing to come along to. If you're new here, you might at this point now be starting to wonder, what is this place? And um, what was just happening? Why was I just involved in some mass karaoke session just a minute ago? And some people got their hands in the air. You're like, what is all that about? And, and, and if this is a church, when am I going to see like a, a proper vicar as opposed to some sort of boy man on the stage <laughs> kind of talking? So <laughs> just to, to cover some of the initial questions that you might have, this is actually a church, Christian church. We believe in Jesus. We read the Bible, stuff like that. And if you have been invited along, then I'm guessing you've been invited by somebody who is who's part of this church. And so I'm wondering what, why, why did you accept that invitation? It might be because, you know, you thought, yeah, that sounds fun, I'll go along to that. Or it might be that, um, that you have been sort of thinking about church for a while or you've had some previous experience. You're thinking, maybe I'll, I'll check it out again, see what it's all about. Um, I'm guessing the reality is some of you will have um, come along and accepted the invitation because when your friends invited you, they were just so enthusiastic that you just were too polite to say no. Um, and if that's you, just avoid eye contact with them right now because that's going to make things um, awkward, isn't it? But whatever your reason, um, we're super thrilled that you could make it. Hope that you're having a good night. And, and while we're here, I wondered, just to change gear a little bit, if that's okay, um, if you'd be up for, for looking at sort of a quite a big question, really, and that is, um, so what is the point in life? You know, what's the, what, it does, is there a meaning to this, this life that we do? Is there, a, is there a God, for example? And I realize, as I say, this is a shift in the conversation. Um, but I think it's useful to think about this type of thing every now and again, because day in, day out, we don't tend to think about things like that, do we? Um, when I was um, preparing this sort of talk, I was, I was sat in my local Weatherspoons with my laptop, um, thinking about this, and I was thinking, what other sort of things that people think about day in, day out? And so I found myself sort of tuning in and eavesdropping on some of the nearby conversations, strictly in the name of research, of course. And um, it was very interesting, particularly this, there was this table of, uh, let's say, retired age ladies who were meeting for lunch and a few glasses of Jacob's Greek Pinot Grigio. And they were, um, they were chatting about you know, their, their sons and the, one of them had just got a new mortgage. One of them um, had been in a bit of trouble. They talked about Facebook. One of them had got an iPad and was coming to terms with technology. That was very entertaining. And they talked about um, a gruesome crime that they'd read about in the paper in very sober tones. And they spent a lot of time just reminiscing. As I say, I was just picking up snippets of the conversation. But I realized that Weatherspoons is not necessarily the best place to sample a broad cross-section of the population. Um, but in Stapleford, that it, it does a good job of that if you know anything about Stapleford. But the, the point that I guess I'm making is that most of the time, those are the kind of things that we talk about and we think about, aren't they? We think about day in, day out stuff, like you know, what time do I need to get to work and what am I gonna have for tea when I get home and, and what am I gonna watch on Netflix tonight? And maybe every now and again, we might zoom out a little bit bigger and think about bigger things like, so where am I gonna live and where am I gonna study and what am I gonna do for my job and who am I gonna marry? But tonight, just for a few minutes, I thought, it'd be great to just zoom out even bigger than that and consider for a moment, so is there more to life than all of that stuff? Like, is life, is it? Does it just boil down to being born, doing a bunch of stuff for a few decades, and then dying at the end of it? 
And I realize, you know, that's a bit more intense. But seriously, what, what, what do you think about that? And how important is that question to you anyway? Um, I don't know if you heard about this, but um, last year, um, well, every year, the, the Oxford Dictionary, they do um, a word of the year competition. And last year was no different. Um, and um, basically, it's to sort of try and, um, you know, a competition for the, for the buzzword of the year that people are using most often. And um, some of the contenders for 2016 um, on the shortlist were coulrophobia, which is the um, extreme, you know, fear of clowns. And by the way, if you suffer from this, apologies for that picture. I hope that hasn't triggered anything. Also, another thing called, um, a new word to me, adulting. Um, this apparently is like just basically just behaving in a responsible way like a, like a grown-up, um, especially, you know, doing sort of day-to-day -day chores. So in 2016, I found out another thing that I'm not very good at, adulting. But um, the, the word of the year was this word, post-truth. Apparently, if you put a hyphen in that, it's one word, post-truth. And I don't know if you're familiar with this word, but it's used to define circumstances where where the objective facts are considered less important than, than people's opinions or appeals to, 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 to their emotions. And, and this word was used, it was the buzzword um, in the media during the EU referendum and the US elections. Um, in other words, um, we, we are shifting towards this post-truth culture um, where opinion is more important than truth. There was a BBC article that I was reading about it where this, this philosopher called Professor A.C. Grayling, he was talking about it and he said, he said our culture is shifting towards a post-truth mentality. It's been triggered by um, the financial crisis. Um, also, it's been triggered by disillusionment that we're feeling with, um, with sort of like the, the messages that, that the media give us and that the politicians give us. Don't, people don't feel they're reliable anymore. And also just the growth of social media as a way of expressing our opinions. And he said, he said the whole post-truth phenomenon is about my opinion is worth more than the facts. It's about how I feel about things. And so if our culture is shifting that way, then perhaps that's, maybe that's why things like religion or anything really that tries to define what is true is seen as um, increasingly out of date. We're living in a culture that increasingly feels that the truth just just doesn't matter. And I don't know how, you, how you'd feel about that, whether you'd agree with that, but that's the way apparently people increasingly feel, that who cares what is and isn't true when I can just pick a version of the truth that I like the best, and I'll just go with that. And um, to me, I think there is a certain appeal to that kind of approach in life. Um, yeah, on, a, on a little scale, a little while ago, um, I, I went to a shop I went to shops to buy a pair of jeans, the usual shop that I go to, picked out my usual size, put them on, realized, oh dear, there's a slight problem here, I appear to have put on a little bit of weight. And so I left the shop feeling pretty disillusioned, and um, anyway, later on I go into a different shop called Fat Face, okay? Now I don't know if you know anything about Fat Face, if you've ever been in there, but, uh, but evidently they've got slightly more generous sizing system. So I tried on my old size in there, and they fitted me perfectly. And so Fat Face were offering me um, an alternative story, a new and, um, I must say, a, a more appealing version of the truth, where actually I was as slim as I'd ever been. And so I thought, who cares what's true? I'm just going to buy these ones because they make me feel a bit better about myself, and I did. The truth is overrated. And I think perhaps on a big scale, this is what's going on these days in our culture. A lot of people, when it comes to the big questions too, even like, is there a God? Does life have a meaning? People, a lot of people are saying, well, does it really matter that much? 
And maybe that's how you feel yourself. Maybe you'd say, maybe, yes, maybe no, I'd like to think so. I've heard a lot of people say things like, um, well, I think really surely life is just about you know, being a good person. So whether there is or there isn't a God, just as long as you're a nice person, that's basically what it's all about, isn't it? And in any case, it's not worth dwelling on because, because the truth, the real truth, well, it's not necessarily even attainable, is it? Like these big questions that you're asking, is there a God? Nobody could ever prove that or disprove it. So what's the point in stressing about it? And to go even further, even if hypothetically you could pin it down, I think a lot of people would also say, I might not like it as much as my version of the truth anyway. I might not find it a little bit uncomfortable if the truth does exist. And so we live in, since we live in a post-truth world, let's just, let's just ignore that. I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you found out a truth that was uncomfortable and you didn't like it. It's, it's not pleasant, is it, when you discover a hard truth? Most of us who are, who are men in the room will have discovered a hard truth at some point in our life. I know I did, where, 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 where the penny finally drops that we're never going to play for England at football. For me, it happened around about the age of 33. <laughs> and it, it hurts, doesn't it? Or, or perhaps if you've ever been into your work appraisal and you go in um, to see your boss feeling great, think you're gonna get a promotion, and then she, she explains that she'd like to address the topic of, of personal hygiene at work and hard truths are discussed. Or um, if you've ever been in that situation that I found myself in where you, you find you've got an expanding waistline. I don't know if you've ever had that feeling where you know on the inside that you've put a bit of weight on. You know perhaps your spouse or your um, partner has told you that you've put a bit of weight on. In fact, everybody agrees, except the retailer fat face, that you have put a bit of weight on. But you don't want to step on the scales because you don't want to actually know that number. Have you ever had that experience? Or, or have you ever got that experience where you get towards the end of the month and you just you don't want to check your bank balance because you know it's going to be bad, but you just don't want to know the truth? I think in the same way with these big questions sometimes, like why are we here and is there anyone out there? And of course the big one, so what happens to us when we die? I think often it's not that we don't have time to engage with those questions. It's more that we, we dodge them because we don't like the way they make us feel. They make us feel uncomfortable. They remind us how, how fragile and how temporary our lives are. And so we choose not to step on the scales. I've got this, um, I've got a friend who, she grew up around church, and so she's heard all the sort of stuff that we, that we would say, and she's read the Bible, and she, she knows all about it. And she says, do you know, I really do believe it's true. Um, but she said, and someday I'll probably engage with it all, but, but for now, um, I'm not willing to kind of, I like living my life the way I'm living it at the moment. I'm not willing to sort of make the changes that it will require of me. I like to do things my way. And she thinks that the truth is too uncomfortable. And there may be some of you that feel that way about religion, about faith here tonight. So I don't know about these, these, these statements, how, how, you'd, um, how, you, how you resonate with those, whether you'd agree with them or disagree with them. Maybe they're some of the reasons why our society is shifting towards this post-truth mentality. But personally for me, it, it, reflecting back on my, my journey, I, I can remember a point in my life where I think I would have said that I agree with all three of those. I'd have, I'd have said, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't really think it, just, I don't think it matters whether there's a God, you know, just so long as you are a good person, you know, that's the most important thing. And actually there's no point in dwelling on it because I don't think you can ever really find out. 
And as for all those sort of like religious people who, who do church, man, I'm enjoying my life too much to kind of to live their way. That, that, that just feels too uncomfortable and constraining to me. But, ob- well, maybe not obviously, but since then, my perspective has shifted on, on all of those. I think in, in, in quite an extraordinary way. And so I just wanted to spend a little bit of time just, just sharing a little bit of that journey with you tonight. So, so the top one, how did I decide that, that the truth matters after all? Well, to start with, I'd say that we probably all recognize that there are certain situations in life where we realize that the truth does actually matter a little bit. You know, say, for example, you go to the doctors and um, the doctor says, well, look, in my opinion, um, I don't think there's anything seriously wrong with you, um, nothing too sinister, but, but just to be sure, I want to do a couple of tests just to check. From that point on, what do you care more about? The doctor's opinion or the test results? There are certain times where we realize the truth actually counts. Often in the sort of like life-changing moments like births, deaths, marriages, at a time of a big change or a time of, of decision. I, I remember for me, um, the reason where I really, the, the, the sort of point and the reason where I started to explore faith in a serious way and sort of seeking truth was because um, I got to a point where I realized that I did actually have a bit of a, a yearning, a bit of a hunger within me to figure out something that would give my life a bit of meaning, something true that I could really count on. And up until that point, I'd, I'd, I'd kind of assumed that I would find those things through, through, through achievement in things like uh, career or, or um, study, um, perhaps through pursuing um, romance and relationships or through, through socializing and having fun with friends. I'd even sort of pursued it in, in through sort of um, acquiring stuff and buying things that I, um, that I wanted. But all of those things sort of left me feeling a little bit like something was missing at the end of it all. And the thing that really changed it was when some friends of, of mine invited me to, to have a look at the life of the person of Jesus and find out a little bit about him. And I don't know how much, I don't know how much you know about Jesus, what you've heard about him in the past, but... But if you've, if you've, in the Bible, in the second half of the Bible, there's, um, there's some biographies of Jesus' life that were written by his friends or friends of friends. Um, and in there you can read all about him. And, and one of the interesting things about Jesus, I don't know if you've ever heard this, is that, is that when he spoke about the truth, it was really interesting. He didn't say, hey, hey, come over here, listen to me, I'm going to tell you the truth. He said, he said I am the truth. He, he claimed to actually embody it as a person and I found myself the more that I sort of the more that I read it and the more that I listened to the things that I that he said the more I found myself coming to the conclusion like do you know what I think he's actually right I think this is true I think this is real and what's more if this is true the stuff that he's saying this has massive implications for my life and I went on really this this journey of discovery which in essence, you know, billions of people, billions of Christians around the world have been on this journey of discovering, wow, the truth is out there and it really does matter. And just out of those billions, I wanted to give you um, just a, a taste of, of one person's story. I just wanted to show you a video of one person and how they sort of encountered and found the truth and how it, how it changed their life, how they found out that it really did matter. Um, so this video is from um, the Alpha course, which I'll talk about in a bit. It'll come up on the screens. Oh, s- slight warning before it goes. Um, 
towards the start of it, there is one sort of slightly sort of squeamish bit. Okay, so sorry, apologies about that. Um, but there was a nice ending, so don't worry. So I'm often asked, why did you get involved with crime? I say it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't see the careers lady at school and say, of course you can do an armed robbery. It was just there. It was all around us. And it all started with weed and drinking, cannabis, the usual stuff. Um, we used to steal badges off expensive cars and swap them like trading cards. And it just progressed to the entire car. And I got involved with the people who were really pulling all the strings. So we went up to this guy's house who owed them a few hundred pounds. It, it was nothing to them. But the problem was he'd been going around telling everybody that he wasn't going to pay it. So they had to set an example. So they got this guy, he was in his garden, his little lad was there. So he got out of the car, grabbed this bloke, put him in the car, sat between us. And he drove up to uh, what's called Niner's Quarry and uh, pulled a petrol strimmer out of the boot of the car, gave it to me and said, do his feet. So strimmed his feet, just lacerated his feet and this was my initiation so that just moved on and on and on cut a long story short Leeds Crown Court courtroom number three he handed me down seven and a half years and I just thought to myself that's it gloves are off if I'm gonna be bad I'm gonna be the best kind of bad I can possibly be because I got moved from prison to prison to prison put on category A maximum security because of my behavior and there's this lad coming round another inmate he comes up to me and he says uh, do you want to go on an alpha course no idea what he was talking about. I said, look, get out my face, sunshine, before I slap you. I thought no more of it. And next day, and then this kid's coming around with his clipboard again. So I'm just waiting for this kid to get within slapping range. And he must have sensed something wasn't right, because he blurted something out really quickly. He went, you get Wednesday afternoon at a bang up and you get free coffee and you get free biscuits. <gasps> All right, I'll see you on Wednesday. And we just started giving her a hard time, a really hard time. The thing that stopped me, it wasn't what they said, because I wasn't really listening but it was how they did it. They came back at me with love and compassion every single time. So I sat there on my bunk and I said the first real prayer I'd ever said in my life. I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. But the gist of it was, God, I need you to take away the anger, the violence, the hate. I need you to take away the addictions, which I've tried to fight and I just lose every time. If you do that for me, I will live the rest of my life for you. But the next morning, I woke up, as I always had done. Rolled over to grab the smoke, as I always had done. But I couldn't touch it. Everything about it, the look, the thought, the smell, everything made me want to be sick. And I knew what I had to do, so I went and got my little stash and I put it straight out the cell window. And as soon as they'd gone, I started to feel a bit better. I started to calm down a little bit. But I was still freaking out. So I just said to myself, Daryl, calm down. Go get a wash, go get a shave. And as I started to get a wash, I looked in the mirror and just stopped dead, because I didn't recognize my own reflection. I was like, that guy's smiling. Not just smiling, that guy's beaming. And I noticed I didn't just look different, I felt different. Everything had gone. It was as if someone had unscrewed the top of my head and just poured freezing cold water in and everything had been just washed out clean. So the chaplain comes onto the wing and I just told him absolutely everything. And he said, the man that went to bed last night is not the same man that's standing here this morning. You're a new creation. And that was it. I said, no more. No more fighting, no more drugs, no more nothing. If you owe me anything, forget it. If you're holding anything of mine, keep it. I don't want it, I'm done, I'm finished. Jesus has saved me. And then when it came time for my release, I knew I was gonna go into full-time ministry. 
Reverend Mark Finch, JP, a magistrate, and he said, would you consider coming to Roncourt near Liverpool? We've got a new church plant, we're just getting going, there's a big problem with young people and gangs and drugs, would you come? I knew it was the right place to go. So he picked me up from the gates on the morning of my release. He took me to his house, not her house, his home. And his eldest is his daughter, Rebecca, who is now my wife and the mother to my two amazing children, Benjamin and Lydia Grace. My life just couldn't look more different than what it is now. Cool story. You know, see those kind of stories, um, they're out there and they, they, they reveal to us actually, you know, this, this truth, it has, it does matter because it has the power to, to take somebody from the darkest place and rescue them. So you might be thinking, well, look, that's, that's, that's great. That's okay for you, and that's okay for that sort of crazy, crazy gangster person. But for me, remember, I, I'm not even sure that the truth is even attainable. Like, I'm not sure if I'd ever really believe it because I don't know if it's even out there. And if that's the way you feel, then, then I'd suggest, well, potentially the truth is closer than we might think. I don't know, um, just to sort of illustrate that, if you've ever had this um, um, experience that if you're a parent or a grandparent or a sibling or an auntie or uncle, whatever, you have this experience where you hold a newborn baby in your arms for the first time when it's, you know, brand new. Um, so here's a little picture of, that's my little boy on the day he was born being held by my little girl and my wife, Abby. And it's just an, it's just an incredible moment. Um, and if you, if you were in that moment, staring into the eyes of this little baby, and I was to say to you, well, of course, you know, the emotions and, 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 the, and the love that you're feeling for that child, of course, that's just, that's just hormones whizzing around your body. And of course, the little thing in your arms, there's no soul in there. That's just, that's just a little sack of chemicals fizzing away. I think somewhere inside of us, we know that there, that there has to be more to it than that, doesn't there? There has to be. And it's not just um, human life. As we look sort of around us, we're surrounded by this universe that's just so complex and incredible and beautiful from, you know, the animal kingdom in this planet to the, to the stars and the black holes and the planets, from the, from the mysteries of sort of subatomic particles. They keep on smashing them into finer particles and just finding more and more mysteries all the way through to the, to the incredible profound mysteries of the of the female brain. The, um, the male brain, not so much, fairly straightforward. But I guess the question is, like, all that amazing stuff, could it be that is just, is it just a random stuff? Did it just happen randomly, or does it point to, to a designer? You know, I think if you ask that question, you know, in a quiet moment, in, in your heart of hearts, I want to suggest that maybe you might feel as though the truth is closer than we sometimes think. I think the truth is attainable. Winston Churchill said, men occasionally stumble over the truth, but most of them pick themselves up and hurry off as if nothing ever happened. And I know it might feel like we live in a culture where nobody believes in old-fashioned ideas like truth and God anymore. But as you can tell from coming in this building tonight, uh, believers are not extinct. We do, we do actually exist. And if you're invited here, you would have been invited probably by one of them. Someone who believes that the truth does matter, that the truth is within reach. So what about this last one here? The idea that actually though, the truth, I might not like it. It might be uncomfortable. I think certainly one of the things that put me off exploring faith when I was on that journey was that I had experienced religion growing up. 
And um, that, that had, there, had been, there had been positives in that, there had been profound moments in that. But by the time I got to my late teens, if I'm honest, um, the main thing as though I felt I'd found there was, a, was, was really a bunch of rules that made me feel bad a lot of the time. Rules about things like swearing, drinking, sex, basically anything that seemed in any way remotely fun in life, there was a rule about it. And if I'm honest, I think I associated faith more with, with fear and guilt than I did love and freedom. And maybe that's why you know, some folks feel uncomfortable about setting foot in a church. Maybe that's why you might have felt a little bit nervous about setting foot in a church tonight. And by the way, I'm, 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 as an aside, I'm aware also that a lot of folks feel uncomfortable about coming to church because, because they see Christians as a bit weird. And, and, the, and the most frustrating thing about that is that they're right, that they've got a really good point about that. But, but for some of you, it might go further than that. It might be that you've had bad experiences of church. You've encountered people who've, who've seemed judgmental or hypocritical or patronizing or superior, or you've heard about religious people around the world who've, who've used belief to control people or to justify things that aren't right. And if any of those things have been your experience, I can only say, I'm, I'm so sorry that that's happened, I really am. And I can only acknowledge the, the reality, really, that, that churches are filled with people who, who are flawed, who aren't perfect. But in our flawed way, we are trying to follow a person who we believe is perfect, the person of Jesus. And you know, the, clo- the closer that you look at his life and his teaching, the more you get to know him, the truer you find him to be. And that's why I'm not talking about a religion or a system of beliefs or an ideology here. I'm talking about something that's far more personal and powerful and real. I'm talking about a relationship with God that's available to to every single one of us, including you. I think Jesus, he, he summed it up um, for me when he, when he made this promise. Um, one day he was talking and he explained, he said, if you, if you listen to the things that I say and you, and you really take them on board, um, in other words, if you, if you behave like somebody who's, who's looking to sort of invest in a relationship with me, he concluded, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And honestly, in my experience, I can't express how true that promise turned out to be. It really has. Today, my life, it doesn't feel constrained by rules. It feels liberated by truth and by the knowledge that, that God knows me and he loves me. No matter what I've done in my life, he loves me. It turns out that the truth is surprisingly comfortable after all. Don't get me wrong, like, you know, my life's not perfect. I don't feel as though I've got all the answers. There are still mysteries that baffle me. So I'm not pretending that I don't have ups and downs. But honestly, the closer that I've got to God over years, over the years, the more safe and secure I've felt through life. And the, and the biggest single thing in helping me make that change was finding out about the person of Jesus. That's where it all started. Now, I'm probably... I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit here. There's, there's more about that type of thing on this course that we're running soon called the Alpha Course. But that's been the big shift in my perspective. It's changed the way I see the past and the present and the future. And um, it's something that I love talking about, as you can probably tell from the way I'm talking tonight. Now, I guess that some of you 
will have, will have accepted an invitation to come along here tonight because, because you know, you're already on that journey of, of looking for answers. Maybe some of you, as you stop and reflect for a moment or in the next few days as you reflect, you might find that actually, yeah, I, I do, there is something inside me where I do wonder if there is something missing. I do wonder if there is some truth out there to discover. It might be that you're here and you're just tired of living in this culture where we, we just constantly get fed all these messages through the media, through the politicians, and it just feels like you just can't trust anything. And you're wondering, is there anything that's actually solid and true? And if that's you, if any of those things would describe you, the one thing that I want to encourage you in is to, is to not, left, not let the, the, the busyness of life put you off your journey to discover your truth because really it is important. And one thing that I wanted to ask is whether you'd be willing to consider another invitation to come back here um, and try out the Alpha course that we're starting this week on Thursday. Um, if you've not heard about Alpha, in a nutshell, it's this course that runs all around the world, runs in prisons, but in churches, lots of places, millions of people have done it. And, and basically, it provides a place where you can explore questions and the meaning of life, find out a little bit about the Christian faith, um, and um, the way it works is it's, no, it's like very low pressure. You can try it for a week, and if you don't like it, you don't need to get, come back. There's, there's no charge with it. It's free of charge. And the way we do it here, we do it in the cafe through there, and there's a meal each week just to make it a bit, even, bit, bit easier because it is on a weeknight. Um, and just to give you a sort of a bit of a taste of what it might, might be like, um, recently we, we, we um, filmed one of the guys who did the last course, a guy called James, and here's a little bit of his experience. So um, my name's James Middleton, um, and I'm a tennis coach. Um, it started uh, with my wife sort of um, showing an interest in coming to church, and I came along to support her reluctantly to begin with. Um, found the experience um, a bit scary at first, but uh, then sort of kept sort of having this urge to come back. So, so questions that I was looking for the answer to. I think every, questions that everybody asks themselves, you know, what's the meaning of life? Why are we here? Those sort of questions. Um, I'd always pondered those sort of questions, but sort of just didn't really think too much about them. Um, but I think, you know, having come to church, that did sort of, you know, just it actually created more questions than answers. So, but that's, that's the journey I'm on currently. So my first impression of Alpha was sort of, uh, you know, rushing here to get from work to make it on time, pulling from the car park and sort of coming straight in. Um, everyone was just sort of offering me chocolates from the, from the word go, everyone being really friendly, dishing out the name badges. Um, everyone had a drink and we, we got introduced to some people. Uh, so I remember being introduced to Ben and Eileen who ended up being our table hosts. Um, and it was just sort of really friendly from, from the word go from the first session. We're, we've actually made some really good friendships. Uh, we've got our own little WhatsApp group going and we've even been out on a social and had a, a few beers around town. So it's been, uh, yeah, we've met some great people and, and I'm still in touch with most of those people. So it's, it's been great. So the food on Alpha was uh, incredible. Um, I would sort of recommend anybody who does Alpha needs to uh, 
also sign up for a gym membership at the same time because you're eating so much food, especially the desserts. They, uh, there's more desserts than I think I've seen in a, you know, in a long time. So from before the Alpha course to after, um, I would say that Alpha for me, I, I would say that I, I would fully have committed to saying that I'm a Christian having completed the Alpha course, whereas I was sort of on a journey and not sure where I, um, where I was before Alpha. I would say that I, um, I'm still on a journey and Alpha is the start of that journey, but um, yeah, I would certainly say that you know, I became a believer during the Alpha course. So I certainly, I certainly think before, you know, before I act, you know, and think of the consequences and think, you know, more from, from other people's point of view. Um, was I was always quite a selfish person before. I, I still naturally maybe a little bit selfish. Um, my wife, I'm sure, will still, you know, confirm that. But I would certainly say that I, you know, I try and think of others certainly first, and I think that's one of the main messages I got from. Through, through the Alpha course. Taste. That's just um, just a little taste of what it's what it's like. Um, so, you know, maybe that for some of you, um, you've been coming here for a while, and you're perhaps you're brand new to faith, and you never really figured out quite what it's all about. And even even if that's the place you're in, this is something that you might find enjoyable. Now, to come along for the whole course. Um, it is a bit of a commitment, I suppose. Um, if you add all the sessions together over a series of weeks, it would, it would come to just over 24 hours. I know that's a commitment, but just to put that into perspective with some slightly sort of dubious statistics I found on the internet, apparently we spend about 1,000 hours on average in the UK watching telly. Apparently ladies spend over 100 hours a year just choosing what to wear. Slightly. Slightly more than men, although men spend more time on the toilet, 86 hours a year. <laughs> in the UK, we spend about 600 hours a year on social media. And I realize that for some of those things, there might be a bit of multitasking going on somewhere in there. But, but, but the point that I'm making is that there are worse ways to spend your time. And you know, if you do come along to this, the worst case scenario is that you meet some nice people and have some food and have a, have a few chats, but you could come away having found a truth that set you free. So if you'd like to come along, um, all you need to do is, um, on the way out tonight, um, there's, there's some white boxes by the exits with these little um, slips next to them. And if you'd like to join us on, on Thursday, then all you need to do is pick up one of these slips and pop it in the box. Um, it's got a thing on there to put your name and put a contact details on so that we could give you um, a bit of a, a reminder. Um, but if you don't want to leave your contact details, that's fine, just leave it blank. But just put it in the box anyway, because the main thing that we need to know is how much food to cook um, on Thursday. So just pop one of those in. If you're bringing a friend along, even if you're part of the church, put one of those in, because we need to cook for you. The one thing that we definitely do need you to put on is if you have any dietary requirements. So if you're vegetarian or allergies or halal or anything like that, just make a note of that. And the other thing that um, I'd really encourage you and remind you about is, is if, if tonight has got you sort of thinking in some way, um, this little booklet, Why Jesus, with, these are free and you can pick them up on the way out and it's a really helpful read. Um, so that's, 
that's everything from me. And what's going to happen um, now is there's just going to be some time to, to hang out, really. As Susie mentioned, um, through there in the cafe bar, there's just going to be some entertainment tonight, isn't there? Is that right? And just the bar's open and all that, and a bit of a buzz. So stick around, hang out. It's been lovely to spend a bit of time with you. Thanks for coming, and thanks so much for listening as well. <laughs>